This is Joseph Gervasi. I'm here with Rob Fitzpatrick. Uh, we are doing this interview on the 14th of November 2013, and we're conducting it in beautiful Berkeley, California, uh, where I'm here to present the live version of uh, Loud Fast Philly. Uh, and this is for Loud Fast Philly. So, hello, Rob. Hello. Thank you very much for, for coming out at this late hour. Yeah, thanks for having me. To do this thing. Uh, so you weren't born in Philadelphia, right? No, I was born in northern New Jersey. What part of northern New Jersey? I was born it? in Hackensack. Okay. And what's the, what was the your neighborhood like you know, when you were growing up there? Well, I actually didn't grow up there. I, I lived there for my first couple of years. I moved around a bunch uh, probably twice before my parents divorced when I was six. And then after that, probably two more times. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all around just North Jersey, northern area. New Jersey, okay, always right. in that area. And what year were you born? Uh, Nineteen eighty-two. Okay. Uh, so what uh, what were the areas like you know that you were growing up in at the time? I mean, any just boring white suburban. Right, right. So what was young Rob interested in you know, prior to your discovery of punk or introduction to that? Uh, I was always into music, just maybe not the best music. What would that be then? I don't know, like Van Halen, right. like U2, just mm-hmm. stuff that was like popular, alternative rock. Right, right. That's pretty much, I mean, just music and, you know, playing sports outside. Mm-hmm. So that's how did the, the more deviant seed then get planted in your head? Uh, I got really into Green Day mm-hmm. when I was, I it's guess... It's a good gateway drug for yeah, young people. It, it wasn't bad, and, and basically... I guess I was maybe 11 or 12 when they kind of got big, and my cousin basically was like, don't listen to that. Uh, so he showed me a video of the Sex Pistols that he had, and uh, played me a Dead Kennedys CD, and that was kind of like, kind of like the first like gateway, and I, I just remember feeling really scared. What, what was it that was scary about it to you? Well, because the, the Sex Pistols video started with, like, a news clip of them and calling them a Nazi band, and, and they just looked really ugly, and, and but something about it just, it, I don't know, I, I just felt like I could lean towards that, mm-hmm. kind of, and, and so that seed was planted, it didn't really, like, I, it was a while before I, like, went out and bought any of the stuff, because I, I was still hanging out with like kids playing sports in the street and playing video games and just kind of like following other people around. But then um, in middle school is when all those kids dropped me, like in front of everyone, like just in the lunchroom. Like one day they just, one person decided they didn't like me, so everybody got up from the lunch table, went to another lunch Jeez, table. They did that dramatically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was like organized beforehand. I, I don't know how they did that, but... Why did they, yeah, you, you don't but, know why the little creeps decided to do that? Just one person like, didn't like me, and, and, and it was just typical middle school, just everybody's really mean, and... Yeah. Um, so they all got up, went to another table, and then I tried to follow them, and then they got up again. Oh. This happened in front of everyone, and then I spent a good majority of the, this is seventh grade, a good majority of, like, the next few months sitting in the classroom with my teacher eating my lunch because I couldn't go into the cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was one kid there with a mohawk and everybody hated him instantly. 
and it, it was him and a couple of other kids, just like nerdy Metallica fans, who basically were like, you can come sit with us. So mm -hmm. I sat with them and kind of just grew organically from there. I would say. Right, so you started picking up different records. Of yeah, I was just, just like, fuck this, and I started selling all my CDs to kids in my class, and they were like, and I just, I started buying Sex Pistols bootlegs, and got mm -hmm. fresh fruit for rotting vegetables, and just stuff like that. And So this was what, like, the mid-90s, or this early 90s? This was when I was 13, so this was, yeah, so was like 1995. Okay, yeah. yeah. So did you feel like, um, in being a young person finding this music, this punk music that had been around for a while, did you did you see it as like a scene that was still around and vital, or like something that was of the past that you were discovering, like how see, kids would find I like Grateful Dead bootlegs or something? I knew it existed, but I wasn't really in tune with it. Like, I got into Sex Pistols, and I just was like, like before that, I had long hair. I had like long hair, and I just got my hair cut, got it all spiky, and like. Just started trying to dress like Johnny Rotten or something, mm -hmm. you know, like just wearing like bad, really bad suits, like right. like like suit pants or like suit jackets. Do you have any bondage trousers with the I, legs connected? No, I, 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 my mom would never have gotten me that. Like she just wouldn't be able to afford it. But we just used to. She used to bring me Salvation Army and let me just pick out, just whatever. Just I guess I put a safety pin in it then. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Right. Just walk around with like a trench coat and spiky hair. And, mm -hmm. Everybody was staring at you, but that's all right. <laughs> so when did you begin to see that there was an actual thriving scene of some sort? I mean, was there anything going on I, in, in North Jersey where you were at the time? You know, I don't think anything really happened for me in North Jersey until high school. I guess when um, you're that young, you can't really go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, even there. in high school, I had, I had a hard time getting around. Um, occasionally, we get like a ride to a show, but most of the shows that I was able to go to were bad pop-punk shows, and I never really got much from those, and, and, and it wasn't until, I guess, I was 16, and I was listening to, like, you know, I was already into Minor Threat, stuff like that, and, and got really into street punk and the Exploited, but when I was 16, there was um, a hardcore fest that was 15 minutes from my house. So I got to go with a friend, and, and their mom dropped us off. Who Do you remember who was playing that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this was like... Like, I went there, an exploited shirt, and like... I got like a mohawk, and I was just kind of a dork. But like, this it was like... I know Kill the Man played, and Drop Dead played. Um, Spent Dead Nation from New Jersey, who kind of like really turned things on for me. Um, just because they were from close to where I was from, they were kind of playing what I was into, just like really straight, just like punk, like fast punk, mm -hmm. hardcore. But then the band that really, really did it for me was Los Crudos, cause I, oh, yeah, yeah. and that was their last tour. So I, I really lucked out. Because before that, like I, like, I liked Minor Threat, but like a lot of the kids that I like, listen, a lot of the kids that I hung out with were into like bad victory records stuff. So like yeah. I wasn't really Which like, is almost I thought that's what like. hardcore turned into. Right, right. Like the hardcore of the past I didn't know still existed. Like 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 a straight like minor threat style. I thought it was all beat down mosh. Yeah, chugga chugga. Yeah. And like so I was you know, 
I would, that's why I always aligned with punk, because I just kind of thought hardcore was just shitty metal. But I saw Los Crudos, and I was like, just blown away. I mean, the singer's openly gay, like, Latino man, just like, voicing his opinion, you know, and it was it was really powerful for someone who's like... Yeah, that must be a great a year old, yeah, for you know? a person, yeah. So, I consider myself really lucky, and I've told Martin that, like, multiple times, and he's just like... I think he, I don't think he wants to hear that story anymore because I'll tell it to him like every time I see him. But uh, yeah, that was a big deal for me, and I definitely like after that I was. That's when I dove in like completely. I'd mm-hmm. say. Now there's a point where you wind up coming to Philadelphia. Is that I mean, does this happen later on, or is that much happening? later? Yeah, okay. I mean. So did you I've, begin to play music then as a as a I young? I played some music in in high school. Like I well, I started playing bass when I was. Like, I guess 13 is when I started playing. Um, I wasn't very good, but I just kept playing it. And uh, I played bass in my first band in high school. And what was terrible. that band called? Uh, you can say it. It's called Amoral Minority. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. That sounds like a band that anybody would have yeah. in, in high school. So we did like a tape and we played like two shows and that was it. And... After that, it was just like a struggle, and I didn't, I couldn't find anyone, and I just, I don't know, I just kept listening to music, and, and there was a record label from my town, who, the guy who did it eventually became like one of my best friends, and that was called Dead Alive Records, and that was, he did the band I mentioned, uh, Dead Nation, he put out a compilation with, uh, with Kill the Man on it, and Dis Sucks, and a bunch of Philly bands, and, and it was for, it was a benefit for ABC. So that just, you know, introduced me to a bunch more bands. Did you ever go to ABC No Rio? I went, the first ABC No Rio show I went to was the last Dead Nation show, which was, I guess when I was 18, so it was like 2000. Okay. And Why don't you talk a little bit about what uh, ABC was like? I mean, it's something that, that a few people mentioned. We yeah. used to go to a lot of the shows there, you know, then, but I'd like to hear I something. Mean, I just like built up this whole mystique about it in my head, and, and to me it was it was just amazing. And I, I don't know if we, let me interrupt for one second. Yeah. I don't know if we pointed out that ABC No Rio is in New York. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just so that people know. Um, so yeah, I just started taking the bus there because, like, I, you know, that was the only way. So I would take the bus to uh, um, what's the bus terminal? Um, oh, just Penn Station. Yeah, Penn yeah, Station. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, then right. I would just I would walk. All the way down from Penn Station were to you, the Lower East Side. You, like, I just didn't had know no how idea to, what yeah, how to how to do the subway or which yeah. subway to take. Yeah, I mean, it's before like Google Maps, you know, yeah. telling you everything. But uh, yeah, I just walked all the way down there and went to just started going to shows every weekend there. And and I didn't know anyone, but I didn't care. I was I was just happy to be there, and I didn't I didn't feel shut out by anyone. I just I just didn't know anyone and um, did they have any particular sort of house bands at the time like certain bands that came out of that place that played yeah, around I feel like I kind of missed like the the ultra punk era of ABC it was kind of more like the like the off minor guys were uh, like volunteering there but like they still had a lot of good shows like at um, yeah, I don't know if there were really any house bands that I can really think of at that point like. Um, I kind of just went every weekend 
regardless. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it was just exciting for me at the time. I can't even imagine feeling that way now. Right. So did you feel like you absorbed a lot of the, the ethos of punk through seeing it done like on that kind of level at that? Oh area? yeah, everything everything about it was really powerful to me, and and the the just the fact that it even existed just blew my mind. Like every time I go there, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I should also say that the way I even got there every weekend was that I would my mom would give me lunch money and I would just <laughs> save it throughout the week and that's great <laughs> and maybe just eat like a cookie for lunch or something and just <laughs> it was really bad but like yeah I would just save it and then did mom, Saturday she did still she doesn't know this oh, she still doesn't so know. hopefully she won't listen to this <laughs> this is your real last name isn't it you yeah. gotta come up with a punk last name come that's on true. Um, Rob Pickles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so after the high school band, then what? Uh, what happened after that? I mean, did you have other bands? Yeah. Well, I just played pretty much alone for a while, and I was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had this whole idea of what I wanted to do, and I just want, I wanted to do a band like Born Against really bad, and and just could not find anyone up there in, in North Jersey to do it. Did you want to front that band, or did you I always just want to be front. playing? I didn't even want to play. I just... Right. So you got to the point where I just... around on the stage. Yeah, I yeah. just wanted to... Screaming. Beat my fist onto the floor and yeah. scream. And, and, and uh, But that didn't happen, and... Um, basically, I just... I met uh, Janine Nicole... Um, through going to ABC and through the guy John who did Dead Alive Records and started hanging out with them and they started giving me rides to ABC. Which you should probably explain maybe a little bit about who, who they are, their, their relation to each other, you know. Yeah, Jean and Nicole are, are twin sisters and they're, we played in a band together called Witch Hunt for about 10 years or so. But it wasn't that long? Yeah. Wow, that's longer than I thought. 10 long years. Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, Witch Hunt clearly a really significant Philly band. Yeah. Um, so you met, they were coming up from, from Philly to the... Well, they were going to school out in Pennsylvania, in okay. Kutztown. Um, but I met them, it was right after I graduated, is when I started hanging out with them from high school. So I was 18 and just hung out with them all summer and, and, and they would bring me, we'd go to New York and hang out and I got to actually talk to people at ABC Norea and, and meet them and become friends with them. Right. Were you kind of shy or just you just shy. didn't have a I was shy and I just, I don't know. I just, I was just happy doing what I was doing. I was happy. Like, I mean, of course it's nice to have friends, but like when you can just have an escape from everything else back home, uh, it's yeah. just kind of, you know, that's, that's good too. So, <laughs> but, uh, so you were hanging out with them, and then where does the idea come from that, that there's going to be a band? Well, they were playing with people already, and it wasn't really working. And, like, they were just, they were kind of just would complain that it wasn't working out. And Janine was just singing, and Nicole was playing guitar, and there was a bass player and a drummer. Um, and one day I was just like, I mean, I'll, I'll play drums. Like, I, did you? Could you play the drums? No, no. <laughs> right. I still can't play the drums. <laughs> what? So how do you volunteer the services? Like, if I said to someone, "I'll play drums for you," I would be the worst. I mean, it would yeah. be a nightmare. I mean, what do you? How uh, do you do that? Well, I bought a drum set, 
and I just started playing it, and and it was pretty bad. Like we were all really bad, and Janine just started playing bass right at the same time too. We were just like, let's just keep it simple and have the the three of us just play. So she picked up the bass and farted along on the bass for a long time right. until she finally got the hang of it and. Yeah, I don't know. We just I was like these are the people I want to play with cuz we're all we all have the same ideas and the same feelings about things and I don't know. I just thought it could be special. So, mm-hmm. so early on was there was there a certain like a point of view or a lyrical ideas that you wanted to express or was it more a musical? For play? me, it, I I wouldn't say it was uh like a political idea, although that's, I mean, that was their their thing. They're strong feminist women, and that's what they wanted to sing about. To me, I never even, like, something that was made a big deal of later on was the fact that we had women in our band, and, and I just want to say, like, when we started playing, it was never even crossed my mind. Like, I, they were just my friends. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it was going to, like, cause some big divide with so many people what, well, weird, I, mean, I don't like really that. know what, what was the divide then I f- we just got a lot of flack for it for having women in a band for having outspoken women in a band God, yeah. is hardcore that lame and narrow that the, that the people would have an issue with that I mean certain sex of it are you know like it's, it's like people don't even want to call us a hardcore band like they they call us some ridiculous things like they call us like a riot girl crust band like, just, like, the most ridiculous things you could think of. And, like, you know, always asking the girls if they need help carrying their equipment and <laughs> stuff yeah. like that, you know? Like, I don't know, it's just a frustrating thing to all of us, but, I mean, it also, I don't know, maybe I guess gave us something to prove. Mm-hmm. So when, when you would have, two, you know, two outspoken women kind of in the front of the band, does anybody care what you think about anything? Like, in interviews, are you ever, were you ever spoken to? That was another thing that was, that was frustrating for me. Because, like I said, for me, I, I just, I viewed us all as equal. And, I, and they did too. But it just, I mean, it's, I guess it's natural. They're, you have two twin sisters up front, they're going to get yeah. the attention. And no one's going to care what the drummer has to say. <laughs> right. So... Uh, and you you didn't continue playing drums though, right? Didn't you move to did you move the bass or I what moved, Well, we played together as a three piece for from two thousand one is when we started, and then we stayed in Jersey until being in the beginning of two thousand five is when we moved to Philly. Okay, and you recorded. With we had done an, we had done a, a seven inch, a split seven inch, and an LP. Who put those out? Um, the seven inch and the split seven inch were both done by some small labels from upstate New York that don't exist anymore. And then the LP was on profane existence. Okay, right. And, uh, it got to the point where I I just didn't want to play drums anymore. I got really frustrated. I I don't like playing drums and I was playing guitar a lot more. Were you, but like by that point, were you able to actually comport yourself well enough to play the drums? I just didn't feel like I was really uh, advancing with the drums. And, and and also, I should mention that Jean and I had dated for the first two years mm-hmm. of the band. And when we broke up, it made things a lot a lot more uh, tense. Couldn't and, switch sisters? Yeah. I, it was just, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, 
we almost broke up and and basically we we moved to philly and at the time we moved to philly i was we were barely even talking like it was it was really bad and got to the point where i i basically said i'm gonna quit the band if we don't get a drummer so we that's how we found Vince, and that was in the spring 2005 Right, so then you you were living in Philly then. I was living at a robot house. In West okay. Philly. No, wait, what can, what's the robot? I mean, want to explain to. Folks uh, I guess. Well, on. I don't know the full history of robot house. I know it was like a long running punk house. Um, Where is know, it? Are you or, familiar with it at all? With no, I don't really. It was at Thirty Fifth and Haverford. No, uh, I know that every house must have a name yeah. in Philadelphia. I, I I guess a lot of people have lived there. I moved in there. Uh, January two thousand five. Uh, it was just a typical West Philly row house uh, place was falling apart uh, it, it could have just been a squat basically but like uh, paid 180 bucks a month had a nice view of a brick wall yeah delightful uh, <laughs> that sounds about right I remember like one of the first nights I moved there I heard this commotion downstairs I looked out my window and I see just a police officer a police officer just beating the crap out of a black man right below my window and I was this is my new home <laughs> yeah. but uh so, yeah, so. Well, what was your experience with Philadelphia prior to moving here? I mean, was this ever a city that you came to for shows? Or I came to a few shows. Uh, my first show I ever went here went to here was uh, at the Kill Time. I guess Time. we shouldn't say here because we're in or, Berkeley. Yeah, I keep, but, I'm always yeah, thinking I'm, I'm Philadelphia yeah. doing these things. But, yeah. I was at the Kill Time okay, in West Philly, yeah. so I, I, I didn't make it to, to Stalag or anything. But we went to Kill Time, and it was a limp wrist it might have been one of the first times they played in Philly. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but uh, it was it was cool. I mean, I I I honestly never envisioned living there. Um, I kind of just followed along because um, Gene Nicole wanted to move there, and and it was I wanted to get out of my dad's house, and Philly is cheap and in a Located like geographically in like pretty much the perfect spot if you are a touring band. Mm -hmm. So, well, one thing I, I often ask people who ha didn't grow up in Philadelphia is what prior to moving to the city, what kind of what did you think Philly would be like or was like? I see you're kind of smiling about that, but I think see, I always had just an image of just like a grimy, decaying city, <laughs> like just pretty much what it is. Uh, yeah, that's but like I. I would always equate Philly with my cousin who basically got into really hard drugs while going to school in Philly and basically like quit school and tried to pawn all of his possessions and, and I've I've always just I there's always been that weird connection in my mind to that. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's one of the reasons I'm I've always been kind of prejudiced against Philly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you you overcame that. Yeah, in some ways. Well, yeah, I guess you're here now, so I yeah. didn't, didn't overcome it completely. But um, yeah. Uh, so, it's a Philly, love hate thing. I I, I understand that completely. <laughs> I live in the Roxborough section yeah. of the city. I don't know what that means to yeah. most people, but it means something to me, which is like avoiding much of the Philly bullshit yeah. that I want to have nothing to do with yeah. at this point. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> The band wound up soldiering on, though, for, yeah. uh, well, I guess, another five years beyond that point. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you toured as well, right? We toured a lot. 
did you where where all did you tour? I mean, you tour U.S., Canada, mm. did you Europe or what? Pretty much from two thousand one till two thousand. I guess nine. I guess we were really active for eight years. Was the main thing. We pretty much. We did a full U.S. tour. 2002, 2004, 2006, 2007, yeah, and 2009. Wow, that's a lot. So that's all full U.S. tours. And then we also did a European tour in 2006, and we did a European tour in 2009 also. Nice. Plus little, like, two-week things. So we were pretty active. And they were long tours. They weren't short tours. Right. Like two-month tours. Considering the aforementioned tensions, oh, yeah. how how then does that play out when you're in such intimate proximity for such extended periods of time? It was it was rough. It was really rough. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But I mean, you did it a I lot. Mean, I, it and I, I hopefully they won't be mad at me talking about it. But I mean, Vince and Nicole dated too, and then when that didn't work out, that was a whole another level of, of tension. So, <laughs> right. So then what, how did you manage to do that? Because we all believed in it and we all wanted to do it. And we all, I guess we just couldn't imagine doing anything else. And, and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed just playing. And and I don't know, it was nice. I, I don't think a lot of people get to experience like everyone in the band being on the same page. Mm-hmm. like and, and just really going for it, which is what we did for a long time until it didn't really work anymore. How did you feel about Profane Existence? Um, At first, I mean, it was cool. It was like, like when I was younger, I I used to order from them and and read read their... Yeah, I I mean, maybe not that, but... (laughs) I don't know. It it just, it was good, and and then it was really bad. It was really, really bad. So, we, did, we did two LPs with them, and the second LP is when everything just fell apart. What was the, if you don't mind me asking, what was the nature of the friction between you and them? I guess, I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but it was basically just miscommunication, and, like, basically, I don't know, just being told something is going to happen, and then... And, and, just the complete opposite happens. Like, uh, it, it was basically just over, like, not... It was basically be over him saying that he was going to have these records ready for us for our two-month European tour that we all quit our jobs for. And then him, at the last minute, saying, oh, yeah, I'm not going to have them for you. Sorry. Uh, yeah, and then us work. being, well, what are we supposed to do? We, You know, like, it, and it all just started from there, and then it just... was like just a ripple effect it was just really bad yeah okay fair enough yeah, yeah. um you I mean, to... we i guess kind of agreed to disagree in the end but I, I i know there's still been like some shit talking here and there about us from that camp so do you retain the rights to the music yes and okay. that was another thing because we paid for all the recordings which we always have done and there's definitely an attempt to say that that was not the case, even though we had all the masters and we had the proof, that, you know. But it was, it just got really dirty, like and ugly, and yeah. Do um, they? Do it was they... kind of. It was kind of one of the turning points in leading me 
towards the jaded state that I'm in. <laughs> are you are you in a jaded state right now? Uh, I go back and forth. Okay. But, yeah. um, it definitely so, it definitely didn't leave a good taste in my mouth. Right. As far as community goes, you know. Okay. So. Understood. Well, uh, so do they profess to be an anarchist label, or I mean, what? How? How? The thing is, they is he. So he is. It's it's under the guise of a collective. But who is he? What I mean, the name of the individual. The name of the individual? The, the guy who runs. Oh, it, yeah. it's Dan. Is okay. he skinned? Okay. I don't know who's doing it now. I think there's other people who are running it now. All right. I mean, so it's not a but collective. We, like, during that whole issue, we had people who were close to him writing us saying that they were supporting us. Like, like it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just, there was always these arguments coming from that side saying, we this and we that, and we don't appreciate this, but it was, it was just... It was the royal we, I mean, it was really just him speaking. Yeah. Because, I mean, I knew a profane existence that was of, of some sort of, you know, a collective. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think this was way past their heyday. Right. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you wound up re- releasing a record on Alternative Tentacles, right? Yeah. Is that, and did. that was towards the latter part of... That was, witch hunting. Our, yeah, like the last couple of years. Okay. How was your experience with... Um, it was, I mean, it was as good as it could be. Like, not much, I mean, Jesse's selling point basically was Jesse, uh, Jesse Town. Luscious. Yeah, Dimley. Luscious Town, yeah. Uh, he, his selling point was basically, oh, you get the bat on your record. The AT bat. So, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we knew what to expect, you know, and, and... I imagine the distribution is is good on that, right? Uh, or... I... It, See, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything bad because they're sweet people and they and they did the best they could. But like, as far as like Europe, like our records were impossible to get, and and people let us know, and and basically, it just for a DIY punk band, it it maybe wasn't the best way to go. But we we wanted to try it, and so there was and, and no we, like, we appreciate what they did for us. So. so it couldn't have been licensed to a European label. You know, the, the they were they were not open to that at that point. I think it was more like a, let's see how it goes, and and if it doesn't work, then maybe in the future mm. we'll do that. And I mean, as far as in the states, I, I I think it worked out pretty well. And and I don't know, it was just something different, and it was the idea of it. Like I mean, we branched out musically, and the idea was just to branch out and be on a label that wasn't just punk, like just kind of was open to all different things, which is kind of where we want to be. Mm-hmm. So. so you mentioned the, the erosion in your, your feelings about uh, community. Um, <laughs> and, and so that set in during Witch Hunt days. I mean, that's even oh, prior definitely. to. Yeah. You know, so that's some years ago, considering, yeah. you know, what's happened since then. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like, how did, were you feeling that there was a great disparity between what was said of community from the community and what people actually did or, or what was, you know... What were you thinking about that? I mean, honestly, I, I mean, it's it's so many things that that probably have added to my my jaded state, which just being on tour all those times and 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 playing so many shows and and being exposed to a lot of terrible bands and 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 I don't know, like. I was never comfortable with people. I, don't, I guess I'm not really talking about community here, but I, I things that just bothered me. I guess I was never really comfortable with people trying to sway us towards their their own agendas. Mm-hmm. 
and their own causes with without us really being even educated they just wanted a yes from us and they wanted us like to put our stamp of approval on it and yeah. I, I just never felt comfortable mm-hmm. in that way and I, I just I kind of just I guess maybe just turned more uh, looked more inside than, than, than trying to like change things on the outside at least that's for me like mm-hmm. I I, I I don't know where 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 would you want to go with this? I'm trying to I'm trying to well I mean I'm, I'm, I am you know specifically speaking to you so I don't I'm yeah. not asking you to speak you know for the band but I'm just kind of curious you know your personal feelings or kind of I mean if I, I say mean, your journey it sounds like I live in Berkeley politics or are you talking uh, about just community in or, general politics or community I mean even well, I, mean, I, mean, I mean I imagine that they you know they intersect I didn't feel like I guess the best way to answer that is that the more we went on the less I felt like I even had a community because I I didn't feel like we. It went from, like, our peers being at our shows and, like, good friends and stuff to being not recognizing one person at the show, mm-hmm. which was kind of frustrating and upsetting. And especially after we, we did, like, a couple of big tours and we did a tour with the Subhumans from the UK Subhumans. And uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like... And we signed to AT... And I just feel like we kind of, I don't know, maybe it's our fault, but we just kind of lost something. And I couldn't really, like, relate to who I was playing to anymore because I didn't know who they were. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that way about the punk scene as a whole, or did you think that you were just seeing parts of it? I think I was just seeing parts of it, and parts that, like, maybe I would have seen when I was 15 or something. But I feel like like the kids are getting younger... And I don't know, I just feel like we we lost touch with a lot of friends. And it was, it was just weird. It's a weird feeling. It's still a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely like, even in Philly, I mean, I don't know how many people even would have considered us a Philly band by the end. Like, we barely played there. And, and there's people in the Philly scene who I only, who have been there since I've been there. And I only really became friendly with in the last couple of years or something like and that was after witch hunt was over so. and yet after witch hunt you wound up becoming a part of another very significant philly hardcore band or punk band whatever you want to call it uh you know sickoids yeah uh so clearly you weren't completely uh disattached uh or, yeah. uh, or burned out on on the scene um then what led you to to start this new band and, and why did you want to do that well I think we, well, we, we all, I mean, some to more degrees than others, kind of, in the people in the band, in Witch Hunt, we all kind of just agreed to stop. I think some people didn't really want to stop, but I wanted to stop. And Vince wanted to stop, and I'm not going to speak for anyone else, because me and Vince are the ones who started the next band. But uh, me and Vince started playing, we wanted to keep playing together and just kind of like write crazier stuff and and so we were doing that and looking for someone to play bass with us and it just wasn't really working out and um i kind of just decided i was gonna split for a while so i went to europe for like three months and just traveled around on my own just because being on tour there you never see anything you just 
to yeah. squat, squat the inside yeah. of a van. Eat a lot of spaghetti. Yes. Somebody just, made. Yeah. Like vegan food that looks like dog food, basically, <laughs> like every night. And, yeah. Um, so I came back and we were going to start playing again. And then my dad died like a month after I got back. So then I had to deal with that. And then I was having some medical issues and, uh, I don't know, I just was like, in, in probably like one of the lowest points I've been in, and uh, and then, I don't know, we just were like, we kind of were playing, we're like, this isn't really working, but this song we just wrote is pretty good, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a little harder and faster, and um, so we talked to Eric, who played bass in Sickoids, and uh, it's like you want to start a band or whatever, and sure. So we just we just started playing and had a bunch of songs like really quickly and and within, I guess that was probably November, of two thousand ten, and by April we we did like a ten day tour and like had a crappy demo that we recorded. And you were named after the the Canadian subhumans. Yeah, we well, after a long time of trying to figure out band names we. We finally were just like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And we didn't realize there's actually a band from Italy called the Sickoids who were like some kind of terrible pogo punk band, yeah, but we guys. just said screw it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of how that happened. And I just, it just kind of became my outlet just to let stuff out that I was feeling and, and, and just a really conscious effort to like, um, just, I don't know, just be involved a little bit more in mm -hmm. what was going on. And So are you writing uh, any of the lyrics in that? In Sickoids? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I read all the lyrics oh, in Sickoids. Okay. Right. Um, except for, um, there's one song that Vince did. But uh, I was, I, I mean, I wrote a lot of lyrics in Witch On too. Like, by the end, like, the last, the second and third albums in Witch On, I, I definitely contributed a lot. But uh, Sickoids was like just a different level, and we just wanted to really push it. And so, what did you feel that you wanted to say in Sickoids? I mean, were there certain topics or themes I that you didn't really want to be as direct as Witch Hunt was, or as like outwardly political? It was, it's more. It's it's more just kind of like how I view things, and and, and I like just experimenting with the words and, and, and maybe not being so obvious and, and let people read into it how they want to. And mm -hmm. Kind of trying to tap into, like, darker places. Right. Uh, so the... You fractional... I mean, you went off all in different directions at some point. Was that earlier this year or was it last year? That, that was... Uh, I moved here... Uh, about 14 months ago, so, okay. so yeah, so I guess that was September 2012. Okay. And then Vince went to L.A.? Vince is down in L.A., right. and, and Eric is in Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, but you did record again after... Well, we recorded right before we all moved. Okay. We, had, we had done one LP, and we did a, a U.S. tour, and then we recorded a six-song, 12-inch EP in August, right before we all moved, of 2012 or whatever. And that came out this past April or May. 
and then we did a European tour. But... Okay. And then what what label was that that you've you've released the two records on? The first one was on Residue, okay. out of Chicago, and then the second one was um, Sorry State. Sorry State, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Great Mistake was a split release. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about working with them? They're great. They've very accommodating, and, and I don't know, they just really believe in what they're doing, and they work really hard at it, and it's really obvious, so yeah, it's been it's been good. Does the band still exist in, in some capacity? It still exists. Okay, um, and how does that work then, being so fragmented it's at It's kind of just waiting for the stars to align, you know? <laughs> it's very cosmic um, of you, Berkeley boy. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Um, I've been writing a lot of songs. It's basically it doesn't take. We kind of all just gel when we play together, so it doesn't take long to to learn songs. So next time we can all basically get in a room together, we'll get something going. So you think so, there'll be further recordings? Yeah, uh, we'd like to. I mean, we talked about it when we were in Europe. We we had a kind of rough tour in Europe, but we we all agreed. How was it? I mean, for what reason? Um. <laughs> yeah. We. Did you date Vince, and then you broke up? <laughs> no, we were we were just we. We're just too old. We just don't want to do it. But how old are you know, now? Thirty-one. But I don't know. We were just crammed, crammed in this van, and, and people just didn't seem like they really cared very much. Do you think at that point that like your personalities as individuals have have like advanced too much that it's too hard to fall into like a hive mind or a, I, you know the older I've gotten the longer it takes to get into tour mode and yeah. this time there was a four three and a half four week tour and we just from day one we're just bitching the whole time but we were all on the same level and we all had a lot of fun hanging out but the shows were kind of a bust and. We had some good shows, but it was, I don't know, it was kind of disheartening. I don't know, but... So do you move with a tour manager, or or are you, in effect, kind of, like, running we, the whole... Well, we had a guy book the tour, and then we had a, uh, a German guy driving us, and he was really cool. But it was just, yeah, I don't know, it was... I think we all decided it's a two-week limit at this point. So. Right. I guess you wouldn't have to deal with like being paid with like a handful of buttons and like a, you know a tub of barf spaghetti or something. Like you're you're going to be actually paid to perform in yeah. your now. I don't know. It was a, it was a, it was weird this time. It was probably the worst. I mean, European tour tours are on. generally known for paying pretty considerable amounts uh, of money. Were, versus they had, had a show in uh, in Milan. We were all pretty stoked about, and and we got there, and it was. Got turned into like a benefit show. Yeah, benefit. Yeah, benefit. Benefit. Yeah. And, yeah uh, what what bullshit was it benefiting? Uh, does it some even political prisoner that they wouldn't really educate us about. <laughs> yeah. You know, just that just happened to be what happened, and it was just yeah, just a bust. You know, go up to a bar and ask for a beer that you're supposed to be entitled to, and then everybody just starts talking. In Italian and laughing at you, you know. <laughs> Italians, yeah. Do you go to all these countries and like look for all the records that came out of those countries at the time? Like, oh, we're in Italy. I need to find the wretched record. Uh, I mean, we just didn't have any time. We had no time to do anything. Yeah, this sounds completely we were, horrible. What is like? What what joy just, do you get out of that experience? Everything now? was just crammed. Like the dates were, it was all driving, just, just all driving. Mm. 
Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. I can see why you wouldn't want yeah. to do that. Uh, so it seems strange then, considering this, you know, you've had, for a young age, a lot of experience touring and playing yeah. with these bands. It sounds like a fair bit of it was fucking horrible. <laughs> so, well, no, no, I mean, I, I'm not going to say it was horrible. It, I, I shouldn't even complain about it. I, I, the last tour it was definitely kind of a bust, but it was, I still had a great time. And I, I saw some old friends and I got to hang out with my good friends in my band and play for some people who actually cared, which was cool, you know. And um, I can't say anything too bad about the Witch Hunt tours either because we had a really good time. Like, despite any personal issues we might have had. Yeah, like but I was, imagine it's a very exhausting process. Yeah, it's exhausting. Uh, but the it's process and prospect when you think about going forward into doing it again. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the worst part is coming home and trying to find a job, like, which for me was probably the hardest because, like, Vince has skills. Do, do you feel As far like... as, like, you know, he can build things so he can get work. And, like, Jeanine and Nicole have degrees and they had jobs that would let them leave for some reason which is awesome but for me it was just kind of did you go to college i didn't go to college right. I, I tried to go and then i quit because i wanted to just play right. music and um yeah it, it living in philly was was always frustrating as far as trying to find work mm -hmm. yeah i guess work that you can actually live off of yeah. I mean, anyone can do a really shitty job yeah. but can you have a quality of life probably don't want to live in a punk house forever <laughs> yeah uh, but I guess to kind of sum it up, you still are, are you know an active member of the scene, you know, um, or have an interest in it. I mean, yeah, your, I do. you know, outward trappings seem to telegraph punk. I'm sure that you you know still listen to a fair bit of the music and all yeah, that. Yeah. So now, at this age and, and having gone through these experiences, then what still continues to draw you to it, despite the reservations that you've had in the past about the the scene or the community within it I mean it's, I just grew up on it and it's it makes me happy and it's it's honest music and 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 basically all my friends and people consider my family it's it's like how I met them all and I don't know I just I couldn't imagine anything else like it like I'm not, I'm not totally jaded. I still, you know, I question things and I think about things. I, I might just keep it to myself more, or like just do my little part, you know. But I, it's it's still like my favorite thing, and it's what I think about the most. And and I pick up my guitar every day and and just want to play, you know. Mm -hmm. so. And how do you feel about living now in Berkeley uh, in contrast to? Philadelphia. It's a different world. <laughs> yes. Completely. It's black and white. It's... Do you feel that any... I miss Philly's realness. Okay. Right. Well, that's what I was kind of curious about. I mean, do you feel that you carry any sort of the East Coast attitude or, or something? Totally. Um, would that be in the form of like the, the bullshit detector that, you know, maybe sees... You can call people out here and they're not going to do anything to you. So that's like, kind of good, right? Because then you can just bully right. them. Around. Yeah. I mean... People here, they're all in their own little bubble, it seems like. Like, whether it's their tech bubble or their hippie good times vibe bubble, <laughs> everybody is in their bubble out here, and I can't stand it. <laughs> right. But the great thing about a bubble is, is you can pop, pop it. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then what comes out? Nothing but hot air. <laughs> Nothing in the bubble. True. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, 
don't know if it's the grass is greener thing, but I mean, I, I miss, I miss the East Coast and I miss Philly, which I never thought I would say, because I, for the longest time, wanted to get the hell out of there, like, and I actually, I did a couple times, but, but, uh, We'll see. We'll see where I wind up. It's it's I'll still see. there and it's yeah. still slouching towards Bethlehem, so yeah. you can always join it already in progress yeah. um, anytime you want. Um, all right. Thank you very much uh, yeah, for talking. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you.